actual uh, technicality in which this is a very loose border um, entails probably quite a bit of uh, back and forth. And the real question is what happens not on the Russia-Ukraine border, but further to the east, uh, about um, a third of uh, the Donbass region has, in a sense, already been under uh, Russian influence because of the Russian-speaking uh, rebels. And so the real uh, dilemma is whether not simply Russian troops go to that border, but whether they go beyond it to the other two-thirds of this mainly Russian-speaking region of uh, Donetsk. But it's been a fluid situation for quite some time, and now it's simply made more official that a so-called invasion, a, a more formal occupation by these troops has occurred. Ukraine has urged all its citizens living in Russia to leave the country immediately. Uh, is this perhaps a precursor, and do you believe that Russia's entry into eastern Ukraine is perhaps a precursor for that fully-fledged invasion? Well, yes. Uh, again, a fully-fledged invasion would really, uh, I think, be difficult because there is such a strong military defense from uh, the Ukrainian uh, 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 National Army uh, still within the Donbass region. And so whereas I've never been there, uh, but uh, I understand that whether uh, the majority would support moving out of uh, Ukraine into Russia formally, uh, as occurred in Crimea in 2014 with that population, uh, nearly unanimously saying, yes, we'd, we'd be Russians. But I do think that the Ukrainians are fairly well armed there, and they've been getting a great deal more munitions from uh, their Western allies. Now, Western countries and their allies now have imposed sanctions on Russian banks as well as uh, MPs. Uh, this as the crisis escalates. Do you think that these sanctions are enough to deter r- the Russian-Ukrainian invasion? Well, no, because... Um, Pretty much uh, everyone knew that especially the hardest uh, of these sanctions, the uh, Nord Stream gas line uh, that would uh, be from Russia into Germany, uh, was actually at stake. And indeed, uh, the new German premier, uh, Olaf Scholz, has announced that that is now going to be a casualty. There won't be the the completion of this gas line, which would have been very lucrative for uh, for Putin, in fact, you could say that uh, for his GDP, he's basically sacrificing about 1.2% on uh, oil sales to the West and 3% on gas. So it is a very substantial hit uh, that they will take if they're not able to go ahead with Nord Stream, uh, just particularly to Germany. And and if the EU follows through what are currently uh, announced uh, personal sanctions against the elites, asset freezes and, you know, sort of bans on the elites the way uh, the West can sometimes kind of strategically do targeted sanctions. But if it does go beyond that, and they really do cut off Russian oil and gas, the main exports, well, then Russia will continue with its pivot uh, to China. And I suspect, given what happened after 2014, when China um, helped uh, Russia get through, especially the financial sanctions that occurred with the Crimea uh, occupation and, and, and annexation, I think actually they'll probably survive this okay because they have huge reserves. Their foreign currency reserves are about $150 billion. They've been running uh, a gross domestic product increase of about uh, 2.5% because of the increase in oil and gas. Um, and it looks like this is the kind of you know strategy for Putin to revive his waning popularity. So I think he'll just go ahead with it and ignore the impact of both those personal sanctions already now being imposed and then what the U.S. and uh, the U.K. want, which is much uh, harder, tighter sanctions, indeed even throwing Russia out of the SWIFT uh, 
system. That's a system of international financial transactions. Mm -hmm. The UN Security Council is currently holding an emergency meeting on the Ukraine-Russia issue. Just briefly, uh, Prof, do do you think that something can come out of this, that Russia might stop after this uh, meeting? I doubt it, because the two uh, strong uh, supporters, I mean, Russia has basically um, China in its camp. And so those two within the Security Council can can veto everything, and, and there's no real sense that the Security Council could ever come to some sort of agreement on this. I think the real question geopolitically is whether, um, with China hosting the, BRIC, the BRICS group, the Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa group, the kinds of tensions that we saw within that group, um, particularly because two of the members, uh, Jair Bolsonaro, the Brazilian president, and Narendra Modi, the Indian president, um, those two have been very pro-West. But on the other hand, they've also been looking to Russia, and there have been more deals and more um, relationships and visits, heads of state visits, Mm -hmm. uh, both by Bolsonaro and Modi. And I think these are the sorts of moments where the BRICS are either going to um, hold together or crack apart. Uh, South Africa would, would, in a situation like this, probably be under much more Western influence. But the BRICS may then find a way to come together, even though these very strong ideological differences within them, with uh, Modi and Bolsonaro, you know, traditionally kind of pro-West, they were very much Mm -hmm. pro-Trump. Maybe this will um, help to force a kind of break within this this, uh, BRICS block.